0: giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. Happy New Year, everybody. We hope you had a fun and safe holiday season, and we are happy to be back in your feed wherever you listen to podcasts. As you all know, the Consolidated Appropriations Act Broker compensation disclosure requirements apply to contracts entered into or renewed on December 27, 2021. Late last week, the Department of Labor finally issued guidance in which they announced a new temporary good faith enforcement policy in addition to answering several questions that you all have posed over the last several months. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, Marcy Buckner is here to tell you everything you need to know about this recent guidance. I'm sure most NAHU members are aware of the new requirements surrounding compensation disclosure by now, but for context, could you briefly summarize what is now required of brokers and consultants under the CAA?
1: Sure, Dan. So, as many of you know, the Consolidated Appropriations Act passed at the end of December 2020, and many of the provisions have been implemented along the way throughout 2021, one of which was the broker compensation disclosure requirement that was included in the No Surprises Act section of the CAA and the broker compensation disclosure requirements went into place, like Dan mentioned, on December 27th of 2021, so just a couple of days ago. And then, just a few days after the implementation date passed, we had this bulletin that was released from the Department of Labor. Now, the CAA requires all agents and brokers to disclose all indirect or direct compensation that's earned on individual or group plans if it's over $1,000. And as we've discussed before on the podcast, the individual market, those rules will be overseen by HHS. And they did release um, rulemaking on exactly how the individual plans would, um, would be reported. And that disclosure is going through the carriers. On the group side, that is being overseen by the Department of Labor, and that is where we saw this bulletin released from. So this is addressing some of the questions that we raised with them over the last year on exactly how the disclosures are going to be implemented for the group market.
0: And so just to clarify for anyone who might still be confused about how they're dealing with individual versus group plans the individual market compensation disclosure requirements are really applying to the insurance carriers, meaning that NAHU members are really going to have to be dealing with the group plans. Is that right?
1: Dan, I'm going to give you one of my most popular answers. It depends. So on the individual side, the rules that came out from HHS did put the responsibility on the health insurance carriers, the issuers, to disclose whether and how much compensation was being earned by agents and brokers for those individual plans however the rules do state that agents and brokers if the carrier has not disclosed it that they may be responsible we asked for more clarification on that piece that has not been released from HHS yet so i do want to kind of put a little disclaimer asterisk on that when we talk about the individual market but it is something that should be disclosed by the carrier. And that needs to be included on any documentation that the plan owner receives prior to enrollment or re-enrollment in an individual plan. So there's a lot of flexibility there on when the carriers can produce that and on what document. It just needs to be on anything before the enrollment or renewal occurs. And again, for this, we're talking about those individual plans.
0: So this new guidance from the DOL answers several questions, some of which NAHU posed in our talks with them. Is that correct?
1: Yes. So over the past year, after the passage of the CAA, we have been working with the Department of Labor and um, we have submitted letters to them kind of cautioning about the different ways in which agents and brokers earn compensations with specific again here to the group market. And really pointing out that the way that the language in the statute is put together doesn't necessarily reflect the industry standards. And we have been asking for more guidance on how this will actually work in practice. And we had a call with the Department of Labor in October. And with that, we posed several FAQs and and suggested that they may want to use some of them and release them to the public similar to what we just saw in this bulletin. And, and some of the points that we raised were included here. But one of the things that I will point out is that in the introduction to the, the bulletin that was released, They recognize that agents and brokers earn compensation in various different ways. So they are are recognizing the concerns and cautions that we raised and that it doesn't, you know, necessarily all perfectly line up with the way that the statute was written. But then they also recognize that there are various different ways that these types of indirect, indirect compensation can be disclosed so that they are trying to be as flexible as possible when it comes to disclosing your compensation. And they also repeatedly point out in the bulletin, and it's something that they discussed with us when we had our call with them. And that is that they're really looking at some of the ERISA pension plan regulations that are already in existence that were written just a couple of years ago and are modeling the disclosure after that. When we discussed that with them, we, we pointed out that folks that work in the pension plan world are, are very different than agents and brokers. And so even if they're applying a similar standard, um, these are different industries That is also recognized in this bulletin. So also just reassurance that our concerns were heard there. So they do recognize that these are different entities, different industries, but they are both relating to ERISA plans. And so that's where there's that overlap there. And then that's also why we're seeing that they are allowing for this good faith effort for the first year in, in foreseeable future for agents and brokers, as they are striving to be in compliance with the broker compensation transparency requirements, that if they are proceeding with good faith to disclose what they reasonably expect to earn within the upcoming year to their clients, that they will be seen as being in compliance with the law.
0: So as you mentioned, the agency will accept compliance in good faith. But what does this actually mean?
1: As long as you are trying, as long as you show that you are giving an effort to provide the information that they are requesting, that you will be found in compliance. So if if you are looking at those different options that you have for the ways in which you can disclose this information, which means... You can disclose a flat rate if you're getting a fee for service, or you know exactly how much you're going to make off of that client. You can provide that very specific amount. If you don't know that amount ahead of time, which they, again, recognize very specifically in this bulletin, which is something that we discussed with them at length. And they say, we, we know, you might not be able to calculate exactly how much you're going to make ahead of time for the year. So if you don't know that exact amount, here's what you can do. As long as you're doing this in good faith, and you're showing that you're trying your best to be accurate, you can provide a calculation of how that compensation will be put together. You can provide a percentage per person if that's how it's going to be calculated. You can provide a formula. You can provide, if, if available to you, the carrier's compensation or commission schedule. So as long as you're disclosing this information in good faith, then you'll be in compliance. But, but keep in mind, just because we have that good faith effort here, that that does not negate the pieces of the rules that are already in place from the statute that says that if you become aware that you are going to have a large change in your compensation, that you do need to notify the client of that during the plan year if there's a large change, or if you become aware that there is a mistake that was provided in the calculation that you originally gave them, you do have to correct that as well. So this good faith effort that's put in the bulletin here does not do anything to change those requirements. wanting to make sure to point that out as well. They also state that you can provide a range, but keep in mind, and this goes back to one of the conversations that we had with them when they said, you no, know, you can provide a range, but giving a range that says you can earn between zero and a hundred thousand dollars, that's not a good faith estimate, right? That's a very large variance in providing a range. So if you are providing a range, they do expect it to be a little bit more precise and trying to narrow down what that range would be. But with, with all of this information, they do also state that with providing either an estimate or a formula or a range that then you should also be providing a statement along with it that this could change based on different aspects of the the plan design and making sure that that is expressed to the plan fiduciary as well.
0: There was some confusion about service contracts entered into before December 27th, 2021. So what does this new DOL notice say about these?
1: So the bulletin is really interpreting the statute here and making very clear. There were different interpretations from the statute um, because it said that the implementation date would be for any contracts entered into on or after December 27, 2021, this rule would be in place. And so a lot of people got nervous that because the implementation date was December 27, there was concern about whether that meant it would apply to plan years that began on January 1 of 2022, regardless of when that enrollment happened or that contract was entered into. So trying to interpret this and make sure that folks were in compliance, the bulletin here is is really translating the statute and pointing out that the statute focuses on the date in which the contract is entered into or that renewal happens, not the date of the plan year. So, that means if you have a contract that was signed on December 15th of 2021, even if that plan year doesn't begin until January 1 of 2022, you are not required to be in compliance until that plan renews at the end of this year, 2022, going into 2023. So that's when you would do your disclosure. if you were working with clients that were really pushing it down to the wire and waiting to the last minute to do their homework and didn't sign their contract until December 30th for a January 1 renewal. Hopefully you weren't in that situation, but you would fall into the category of being required to disclose your compensation because that contract would have been entered into after December 27th. So they're really using the implementation date to focus on when that contract was entered into, not the plan year. So this was this was something we got a lot of questions about, it's something that we had compliance folks that were interpreting differently and looking at the plan year renewal date versus the contract date. And so we were very pleased to see this clarified in the bulletin.
0: And what does the bulletin say about exactly what types of plans these requirements apply to?
1: So this, this was something that, that we did feel was very clear in the statute, but it's always nice to see things laid out a little bit differently and kind of translated for us. So they do specifically answer the question if this is for self-insured and fully funded. Yes, it does apply to both of those types of plans. And then they also discuss accepted benefits. This is another one that I received a lot of questions about and whether things like dental and vision fell into accepted benefits as a type of group plan, the way that it's designed here. They are are looking at the ERISA definition of group health plan. And they do point out here that that does include dental and vision. So they do provide some clarification there that uh, the intent of the statute is to include those pieces as accepted benefits under the definition of a group health plan as it's defined under ERISA.
0: So following this notice, should members anticipate any further regulations or guidance from the DOL in this area?
1: We are not foreseeing any further guidance. Throughout the bulletin, you'll, you'll notice they do use language that says, until and unless further guidance is released on this, then the, the language in the bulletin will serve as guidance. But then at the end of the bulletin, it does state there is a question that asks if they intend to release further guidance. And at this point, they do not. They They do feel like with the information they provided in this bulletin, as well as focusing people and referring them to the, those pension plan rules that I mentioned earlier, they feel like the combination of that really provides enough of an explanation to be in compliance. So right now they are not anticipating releasing further rulemaking. However, I will say there there have been times where we have seen Agencies say that they don't intend to release further rulemaking. And then, uh, just based on a number of factors, based on how the first year of implementation goes or how it is interpreted by the industry, whether the intended outcome of the rule was achieved, and taking those factors into consideration as to whether rulemaking could be considered at a later date. So, right now, we're not anticipating anything, but we could see some of those factors come into play. In the next couple of years and perhaps see some minor tweaks through rulemaking down the line.
0: How can folks learn more about this new notice or anything else related to these disclosure requirements?
1: Well, NEHU has a vast library of resources on our website for broker compensation disclosure. If you go to our homepage, NEHU.org, you'll see on that front rotator the library for broker compensation disclosure. And in there, we do have a link to this recent bulletin from the Department of Labor, but we also have a link to our Compliance Now blog that goes through and explains the bulletin that we received from the DOL. So you'll see it kind of translated and easy to use language. So it's not an agency garble. And then you'll also see a number of other resources We have a sample form that you can use as a guideline to help you determine how and what to disclose when you're working with your clients. You'll also see two different handbooks, one for the group market and one for the individual market that will provide more information about the process for disclosure for both of those markets. And then we have a number of different webinars that have been provided on this topic and some of our previous podcasts as well. So like I said, we're, we're calling it a library of resources because there is so much information that's available there and really in, in any type of format that you prefer depending on your learning style and what you're looking for.
0: It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So who are we toasting to this week?
1: This week, we are toasting to Senator Harry Reid. The Senate has lost yet another champion, as we've seen over the past couple of months with the recent passing of Senator Bob Dole as well. Senator Reid began his career as a centrist Democrat and later in his career moved left of that center of meaning, but for many years worked as a moderate and worked across the aisle on many bipartisan pieces of legislation. Senator Reid was very instrumental in the passage of the ACA. I know we won't all agree on all of the aspects of the ACA and the Senate didn't either, but one of the aspects that he was focused on was access to community health centers, which I think we can all agree increased access and care to a very vulnerable population. With that in mind, We are toasting to Senator Reid and the expansion of care that he provided to millions of Americans through those community health centers. Cheers!
0: Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts, or to become a member, visit nahu.org.